Even though their first round selection hasn't necessarily panned out the way that they wanted to yet, did the New Orleans Saints do enough in their 2021 draft class to earn positive marks? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always. Make it Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and you can continue the conversation with me one-on-one by heading over to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints. As always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Sports Illustrated Saints News Network, the fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me Tuesdays in the Locked on NFL podcast, and of course, here with you every single Monday through Friday, and then some on Locked on Saints. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, what are the three most interesting games? that the Saints have on their uh, 2023 schedule. We'll take a look at that. We're going to take a look at Ronald Curry, who is set to be on the fast track, potentially, to be a head coach in the NFL. How are the Saints and the NFL preparing him for that? But first, I want to take a look at revisiting the 2021 NFL draft class. We've graded the 2023 draft class, but we know that those grades are going to change. And we kind of saw a little bit of that in our exercise last week when we revisited the 2022 draft class, which has maintained its promise one year later, thanks to guys like Chris Olave and Alante Taylor and potentially Trevor Penning, should he stay healthy here in 2023. But revisiting 2021 tells a little bit of a different story. What happens if your first round pick doesn't pan out, but others do? Does that change the way that you look at a successful draft class? So that's why I wanted to revisit 2021, because I think it's really intriguing. Look, let's face it. The first round selection, Peyton Turner, has not panned out thus far. We spoke with Cam Jordan. We've spoken with Dennis Allen. We've spoken with Jeff Ireland. And the uh, everybody is separate, but singing in the same concert that Peyton Turner is a very, very talented player, but needs to stay out on the field, needs to be in shape, needs to be healthy. And that those are things that he has reportedly struggled with. And I think more than reportedly, especially with health, you can see that he's struggled to stay out on the field. And so Does that mean that the Saints 2021 draft class as a whole, which includes a handful of other players, is not good? Is it all about the first round selection? The Saints drafted in that that draft, though, along with Peyton Turner, Pete Werner, Paul Sinadibo, Ian Book, Landon Young, and Kawan Baker. Of those players, all but Ian Book are still on this roster technically. Kawan Baker is on the 53-man or on the 90-man roster. He did not make the 53-man roster last year, but guys like Landon Young, Paulson Adebo, Pete Werner did. Pete Werner and Paulson Adebo, in particular, starters over on the defensive side of the ball. Pete Werner, of course, starting opposite or next to Demario Davis as the uh, weak side linebacker, while Paulson Adebo has been starting opposite Marshawn Lattimore, though his job may be in jeopardy thanks to the quick ascension of last year's second-round selection, uh, Alante Taylor. But regardless, the Saints got two starters out of this class, and they got a valuable backup on their offensive line in Landon Young, who can play both tackle spots, so you can move him around quite a bit. So where do you grade the Saints' 
on their 2021 draft class if the first round pick never pans out. But you get two starters and a quality reserve later on in the draft. Saints News Network, where I write for Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, well, we gave that draft class back in 2021 a B right after the draft. Fox Sports gave it a C. The Athletic gave it a B minus. Come on with the minuses. Just call it what it is. Call it a C. The Ringer, B. PFN, B minus. Stop. It's a C. (laughs) It's the same thing. Sporting News, Vinny Iyer, who hosts Locked on Fantasy Football, which you should be checking out every Monday through Friday. Also a B minus, a C. Yahoo Sports gave it a C plus. Is that a B? Is that a C? Oh, no. CBS, NFL.com, PFF all gave it C's. I think C is still a good place for it. Two starters in this draft class. Potentially, though, only one. Because Alante Taylor could come up here and end up stealing the starting spot from Paul Sadebo for all we know. We'll see exactly how that all pans out. One of the most interesting things that we'll watch throughout OTAs, training camp, all that, is going to be that cornerback battle opposite Marshawn Lattimore. But the Saints got a starter quality corner. Even though he was up and down last year, he's still very much a starting quality corner. Let me ask you, would you rather that or Eli Appleback? He's a starting quality corner. He's better than who the Saints have had opposite Marshawn Lattimore nine times out of 10, with that one time out of 10 being Janoris Jenkins. So for New Orleans, I think you have to look at this draft class so far, two years later now, two seasons, two full seasons later, as a majority success at this point, even if Peyton Turner doesn't pan out. And if Peyton Turner never pans out, but you get Pro Bowl level play from Pete Werner, you get starter quality level play from Paul Sinadibo, and you get a quality reserve, longtime backup player in Landon Young, who can also be a swing tackle for you after James Hurst is done here in New Orleans. I think at least your average C, at best you're a B. Now, if Peyton Turner turns a corner and all of a sudden him and Isaiah Foskey end up being the future at your defensive end position, post Cam Jordan, then all of a sudden you're into different territory here. You're into A territory at that point. We're going into the third year of this draft class. And the third year is kind of where you learn a lot. We'll see that when we revisit the 2020 draft class, especially given recent events when it comes to that class. So if Peyton Turner ends up turning a corner, then this becomes an A draft class. If he becomes a starter for you opposite Isaiah Foskey after this year or after the next couple of years, right? Cam Jordan is in conversation with the Saints around, you know, they're always in conversation, (laughs) Cam Jordan and his people and the New Orleans Saints, about trying to keep Cam Jordan here in New Orleans for the rest of his career. But post that, if Peyton Turner and Isaiah Foskey turn into your starters, then this draft class becomes a major draft class for you. And even still, it has at least an impact with the way that Peyton Turner, excuse me, Pete Werner, as well as Paul Sinadibo have played for you. And I know that Paul Sinadibo, again, did not have the strongest second year but he had a fantastic rookie season and he's still a starter quality player. And so depending upon what happens with the future with him and Alante Taylor, we'll see. But this draft class has the potential to either be run of the mill, you got a great linebacker out of it, or you get a great linebacker and a great corner, or you get a great linebacker, a great corner, and a great edge rusher. That one seems furthest from the truth at this moment, but we'll see what happens if Peyton Turner could stay on the field and stay healthy. Coming up next, 
Ronald Curry. He's the Saints quarterback coach as well as pass game coordinator. Could be the Saints next offensive coordinator and could be very soon a head coach in the NFL. We got all that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Put a lot on podcast network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in all the land. Yeah, we're going back to old English. That's how good Built Bar is. Uh, Built Bar has all of these incredible flavors that are super, super good, but also the bars are good for you as well. It's They taste like a candy bar, but it's nothing like a candy bar. We're talking 130, 140 calories, five or six grams of sugar, despite the fact that these things are covered in 100% chocolate and have insane flavors like peanut butter puff bar, which is a marshmallow based bar that is packed with protein. I don't know how they got protein and marshmallows, but they found a way to do it. And then you've got other solid options like salted caramel, cookies and cream and the standard bars and some incredible flavors beyond that. But you're getting 17, 18 grams of protein, despite not picking up any calories or really any grams of sugar at all. So it's really, really dope. You want to go and check them out. You can find them at built.com so you can see the full selection. You can head over to Walmart, pharmacy section, four bar boxes and some great flavors there. And then 13 bar boxes, that Baker's Dozen, over at Sam's Club of Churro Puff. Absolutely incredible if you're a cinnamon fan. And if you're a chocolate fan, uh, brownie batter puff, so freaking good. If you're used to sticking your finger in the bowl of brownie batter mix, you remember that from your childhood or like a day ago, like myself, <laughs> um, you'll be able to enjoy these Built Bars. So go check them out today, Built.com, Walmart, Sam's Club. You can thank me later. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Coming up later on today, we're going to take a look at Jerron Cage in our live show, the Ohio State Buckeyes defensive tackle that was signed as an undrafted free agent. Does he have a potential path to the roster? And of course, he's a Buckeye, so we got to talk about him. So we'll be talking about that live uh, later on in the Locked on Saints YouTube page, and it'll be uh, available for everybody very soon after uh, as well. Um, And also, I just want to remind everybody about subtext here in just a moment. But I want to get to this conversation around Ronald Curry. If you're an everydayer here on the show and you've been hanging around for a while, you know that I have been a big time proponent of Ronald Curry and that I have looked at Ronald Curry for a long time as being a guy that has had a big time trajectory ahead of him to potentially becoming an NFL coach. I've written stories about him. I've written spotlights on him. I've talked about him here on the show. And the NFL sees him the same way. A, a lot of my sort of confidence in Ronald Curry comes from not only my seeing him work with these quarterbacks over the course of the past couple of years and practice and stuff like that, but also talking to guys like Sean Payton about him. Sean Payton and I talked all about Ronald Curry and how fantastic he has been for the team and how much Sean really liked him. Um, the NFL has obviously paid close attention to him. He had interviews with the Tampa Buccaneers as an offensive coordinator. He interviews with the Denver Broncos for offensive coordinator. He had interviews last year for offensive coordinator last offseason that never became public. And then there's been a lot of questions around whether or not he would be the next offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. Even Pete Carmichael himself, I asked, what do you have, you know, what can you say about Ronald Curry? And he says he thinks he's ready to go call plays right now. And that could be at the detriment of Pete Carmichael to say things like that in the near future. Who knows? But that hasn't stopped him. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, well, everybody's going to say nice things about their coworkers. Yeah, well, they could say nothing at all. They could say nothing at all. They could say he's been a great addition to the team. We really enjoy having him here in the building. He works really great with the quarterbacks. Fine. Totally fine response. But to unsolicited, come out and say he's the guy that's going to be a future offensive coordinator. Can't wait to see what he's going to do in the league. 
he's probably ready to call plays now. When you're the guy calling plays for the team that he's on, that means something. That says something. When I spoke with Sean Payton at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, he talked all about how much he's added. And the NFL has seen this as well. The NFL is hosting during its spring meeting what they call their NFL Accelerator Program. According to the NFL, and I quote, the Coach Accelerator Program ex- uh, aims to increase exposure between owners, executives, and diverse coaching talent, uh, providing ample opportunity to help them develop and build their relationships. Now, this year, the way that they've done this, that they picked 40 participants, and not only were clubs able to nominate their own folks, but clubs are able to nominate people from other clubs. And that includes players that are, excuse me, coaches that aren't currently coaching in the NFL. Leslie Frazier, Pep Hamilton, the fact that they're both out of the league right now is absolutely nuts to me. And of course, Chris Richard as well. And so Chris Richard was a part of the 2022 program last year, uh, but Ronald Curry is now on this list. This will be his first year attending this program. So what this program effectively does is that it puts them through a couple of different things. It gives them an opportunity to be able to go to content sessions that are like scheduled, and then they're going to you know, kind of help to build out some of their coaching skills and things like that. There'll be some networking opportunities for all of them, everything. This is all happening May 21st through the 23rd at the uh, NFL's uh, spring meeting, which is in Minneapolis. So rather than bore you with more details around the specific program, let me speak on what it is that makes Ronald Curry special and why it is that he stands out so much. Because I think that there have been a lot of folks who have heard me kind of wax philosophical around Ronald Curry and sort of his quick trajectory and the NFL circles that see him as a rising star as a head coach and have wondered, well, how can that be when no one has seen what he does? And and the thing that I want to stress here is that the public has not seen what he does. The NFL has seen what he does. The NFL has seen him prep and get ready for different quarterbacks in his first year as a quarterback coach, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, and Ian Book. The NFL then watched him help to turn Jameis Winston into a starting quarterback again in the NFL and then build out an offense for him only to then change it with a guy that could not be any more different than Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. Did the Saints win a ton of games last year? No, they disappointed. Was all of that on the shoulders of Ronald Curry? No. Was some of the success that the Saints found entirely on the shoulders of Ronald Curry? Arguably, yes. Arguably, yes. Because if those quarterbacks aren't ready to go out there and compete, if those quarterbacks aren't ready to go out there and run the system, run the install, do everything that they need to do, they don't win any games last year. Or they certainly don't win seven. And so when I look at what Ronald Curry has done, preparing effectively five different quarterbacks over the course of two years and is now getting ready to do it again with Derek Carr, that is something that stands out to the NFL. Prepping those quarterbacks to go out and play games, not necessarily win games. We all know what Trevor Simeon didn't do during that 2021 season. He won the game that he came in for, and then after that. But that's not what it is that the NFL is going to look at. The NFL is going to look at what Ronald Curry has done in terms of getting those players ready to be starters. That's why he ends up now getting, and and last year, getting the passing game coordinator tag. Now, the passing game was not great for the New Orleans Saints last year. And a lot of that came down to predictable play calling, um, you know, uh, execution issues, 
trouble getting the right players on the field and or having the right players for the right situations, healthy, all of those things. Not a lot of that falls on Ronald Curry's shoulders. Doesn't mean that he's exempt from it all, but not a lot of that falls to him. That falls to health, that falls to play calling, which is on Pete Carmichael, and that falls to coaching, which is on Dennis Allen. So when the NFL looks at where Ronald Curry is, what they look at is a fast-rising coach that has played the game before and has done so, by the way, from multiple places in multiple ways. He was a fantastic uh, high school quarterback, legendary high school quarterback. He was a notable, like arguably one of the more notable college quarterbacks of his time. And now he comes into the NFL as a coach having all of that experience and being able to talk to these players from the connection of experience, which ends up being so remarkably important. It's why you're seeing more and more and more former player turned into coach or former players turning into coaches in the NFL. And you're seeing that over and over again. And so with that, Ronald Curry is setting himself apart with his experience. He's setting himself apart with his ability to translate the game. And he's setting himself apart with his ability to prepare the most important position on the field, the most important position in football to go out there, take snaps and be a part of the game. The next step for him is going to be calling plays. That has to be the next step. You look at Eric Bieniemy and all the success that the Kansas City Chiefs had around Eric Bieniemy. The thing that has held him back from getting coaching jobs, reportedly, is that he hasn't called plays. Now, we see Jeff Saturday get a job even though he's never coached. I get it. I understand. But for Ronald Curry to avoid the Eric Bieniemy treatment, he will need to get opportunities to call plays. Now, he's going to take that opportunity when it comes to him, whether that's in New Orleans or whether that's elsewhere. Maybe that could be in New Orleans. Perhaps this is Pete Carmichael's final year. Perhaps they are grooming Ronald Curry to take over that spot in the next year or so. We'll see. But there's no doubt about the fact that Ronald Curry is a rising star in the NFL and that the NFL sees him that way. And his being selected for the NFL's accelerator program is absolutely awesome. It's really, really cool. It's a great thing. And if you're worried about Ronald Curry being out in front of more eyes, just like you get worried sometimes about Kai Harley being out in front of more eyes, don't worry. Everyone already knows who they are. <laughs> the NFL already knows the dirty little secrets here in New Orleans about the fantastic folks that are on their staff that they're trying not to let everybody know about. Don't worry. They already know anyway. Coming up next. We got the New Orleans Saints' three most intriguing games in 2023, including some revenge games that you're going to want to make sure that you're staying tuned for. And the most important one, or the most intriguing one, kind of getting the flames stoked very, very recently. Got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at the three most intriguing games on the Saints 2023 schedule. Now, I'm going to go through my three, but I want to hear your three as well. So let me know wherever you want to in the, in the Locked on Saints metaverse or mediaverse, as uh, one of the YouTube commenters said. I love that phrase, Locked on Mediaverse. Um, the next thing that I also want to do, too, is, is, is just quickly remind you about subtext. Uh, so if you want to carry on this conversation one on one with me, join subtext.com slash Locked on Saints. Uh, it's a great way to support the show too. I've had a lot of people ask about like, 
Are there ways to donate? Are there ways to support the show? Here's a great way to do it and get something in return, which is one-on-one communication with me. Join subtext.com slash locked on saints. You can find the link in the description. You can see it at the bottom of the screen if you're watching on YouTube. And of course, you can find it in the description on uh, audio as well. So go ahead and check that out. 14 day free trial. And then after that, it's like a monthly fee. If you want to stick around and contribute and like help out the show, you're more than welcome to do that. But I promise you'll be getting things back as well. I don't want to just like ask you for something and not give you something back. So get access to me. I send stuff in our little like circle of trust, um, kind of like cone of silence uh, style and everything, but also, you know, just banter and fun stuff and especially get a lot of fun once we get to the season as well. So let's discuss the three most interesting games for the New Orleans Saints in 2023. I want to start off with week 13, the Detroit Lions coming here to New Orleans. This game was actually my second most intriguing, but I bumped it up. Because of something recently, Kay, Kay Adams, FanDuel TV had uh, over at Up and Adams had CJ Gardner Johnson on the show. CJ Gardner Johnson, of course, now with the Detroit Lions, former New Orleans Saint, famously or infamously, uh, came to blows literally with Michael Thomas during a practice, which led to Michael Thomas being sat for a game. Um, he kind of stoked the flames. Surprise, surprise, on it a little bit. Though he didn't really do what you would expect CJ Garner Johnson to do. It was actually pretty tame. But basically said like he knows what time it is. Better not bring that stuff over here. Like all that. So CJ Garner Johnson has kind of helped to stoke the flames a little bit. We were just discussing in yesterday's episode of Locked On Saints about who's the slot option for the New Orleans Saints, who's the primary slot receiver. And the fact of the matter is that New Orleans will use several players in the slot, and Michael Thomas is one of those. So if CJ Garner Johnson lines up against Michael Thomas in live action, we all get to watch that happen. That's intriguing. The other thing that's really intriguing is, of course, New Orleans Saints running back Jamal Williams, who scored 17 touchdowns league leading last year for the Detroit Lions and then did not get the contract to stick around with them. Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams told us in his introductory press conference that he felt that the way that things went with that whole conversation was disrespectful. I went, dug a little bit deeper into all that to clarify all of it. And it was the manner in which the negotiations were handled. Let's just say that the Detroit Lions weren't necessarily negotiating in good faith and tried to leverage themselves in a way that effectively made Jamal Williams a little bit upset. And I think it makes perfect sense. I think it makes perfect sense. So when you look at where that game now has all of these sort of revenge factors, there is the potential if Michael Thomas stays healthy through, like if you want Michael Thomas to stay healthy for a certain amount of games, you want him to be healthy for this one, that's for sure. And if he is, him and CJ Garner Johnson being on the field across from one another, whether or not they're lining up immediately across from one another doesn't matter. The fact that those two will be on the field at the same time is going to be pretty electrifying. Then you add in the Jamal Williams factor. And I'll tell you how much I know Jamal Williams is looking forward to this game against the, against the Detroit Lions. Go back and watch his introductory press conference. There is a moment where Luke Johnson over at NOLA.com starts to, an- starts to ask a question. I don't remember the exact question that he landed on, but the way that the question started was, are you excited to? And then he went on to finish the question. You could see Jamal Williams as he says, are you excited to? I think this was around when Jamal was talking about like, I want to prove people wrong about what they think I am and the type of running back I think I am and stuff like that. And maybe Luke was asking like, uh, are you excited to prove people wrong? Are you excited to show people what more you can do in this New Orleans Saints offense? But you could see Jamal Williams start to light up. I think, I'm not putting words in Jamal's mouth, that's not my job, but I'm pretty sure, and I'm going to ask him this, that the reason that he lit up about it 
is because he thought the question was about to be, are you excited to play the Detroit Lions? Or are you excited that the Detroit Lions are on the schedule? I'm fairly sure that's why he got excited. So if Jamal Williams is coming off this thing feeling like the, the way, the manner in which the negotiations were handled with the Detroit Lions was disrespectful, then of course he can't wait to play against his former team, the Detroit Lions uh, there. You also get to play against your former team, the Green Bay Packers, a little bit earlier too. And so, um, you know, he'll have a pretty busy season with those former NFC North teams that he used to play for. But I think the Detroit Lions game is a really intriguing one for those two matchups. And of course, former Saints staffers all over that Detroit Lions coaching staff, Dan Campbell, Aaron Glenn, Mark Brunel, really cool. Or Mark Brunel wasn't a former staffer for the Saints, but he was a former Saint. So lots of cool stuff in terms of overlap there as well. Next on my list, I have the Tennessee Titans, which was originally actually number one on my list because it's Derek Carr's first game. So that makes it super interesting. Derek Carr's first game is in New Orleans State. That makes it super interesting. Will Michael Thomas be who Michael Thomas was week one in 2022 again in 2023? How much have Chris Olave, Rashid, like there's just so, like how much have they developed? How much have they gone along? Will Foster Moreau be on the field week one as we expect him to be? How does the defense with a new look defensive line look? How is Cam Jordan in his, in his next year? There's so many big questions that get answered week one and you get the Tajay Spears revenge factor, right? Tajay was on the board when the New Orleans Saints uh, selected Kendra Miller. They passed on Tajay Spears. Now he comes to New Orleans. He'll be second in line behind Derek uh, Derek Henry, but the Titans will use Tajay Spears and they'll get him involved, especially in the passing game. So how does the Saints defense match up to a guy like Tajay Spears? And can Kendrick, Kendra Miller, will he even get an opportunity? But if he does, does he outperform Tajay Spears to prove that the Saints made the right decision for himself? So really, really interesting bunch of storylines that go along with all that. And then finally, I think the third most intriguing game is going to be against the Carolina Panthers. Week two in Carolina, on the road. Will Bryce Young be on the field? If Bryce Young is not on the field, then it's Andy Dalton. Does Andy Dalton see this as a revenge game opportunity for him? What do the new look Carolina Panthers look like with Frank Reich as head coach? There's so many changes on that team. And that team could, in a year or two, if Bryce Young pans out, be the team that challenges most the New Orleans Saints for the NFC South if the New Orleans Saints are challenging for the NFC South in two or three years. So really what you're watching here when it comes to the Carolina Panthers is who's your future big time contender? Unless the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tank out in 2023 and end up with Caleb Williams or Drake May in the 2024 draft, Carolina is the team to watch if you are a New Orleans Saints fan to potentially challenge you in the next two or three years for the division if Bryce Young pans out. And does Bryce Young pan out? Like that we could we could have an answer to that question or the early answer to that question, early outlook to that question uh, as early as week two up against the New Orleans Saints if Bryce Young is out there on the field. And if not, then it's still intriguing because you get the Andy Dalton situation and Andy Dalton versus Derek Carr, Andy Dalton against the New Orleans Saints defense, all that. Can the Saints win against Carolina if Andy Dalton has a 3.7 passer rating like Sam Darnold did last year? All of those things. Like there's so many interesting sort of tidbits around all this. But there's other intriguing games as well. The Minnesota Vikings, of course, the um, Atlanta Falcons, Sam Bay Buccaneers. There's a bunch of bunch of these. Uh, really, really cool games in 2023 that could be the most interesting. So tell me what your three most interesting games are. You could tell me wherever you have access. All right, y'all, I appreciate you so much for joining us for another episode. We'll be live later on today. Take a look at Jerron Cage, the undrafted free agent defensive tackle from Ohio State. 
What are his chances to make the roster? Can he help the New Orleans Saints on the defensive interior? And then, of course, we'll take a look at some of your questions and things like that that you have throughout the show as well. I appreciate you, as always. Make a Locked on Saints part of your day, part of your routine. Remember to keep the conversation going. Join subtext.com slash locked on Saints. Thanks, as always, for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.